Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of GSUENI Radio, broadcasting live from Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. This is going to be an exciting episode, Stone. Good morning, sir. Yeah, we're starting to hit our stride, right? We got an early episode under our belt, and that's why we, uh, we've already done one episode. We're going to do five or six today instead of our typical four. So you're, you're in for a, a full day of work. You're going to have to earn your supper today. I know. Just keep the <laughs> coffee coming. Hey, this is going to be a fantastic episode. First up on today's episode, we have with us, with a company named Sisters, Miss Michaela. Oberlton, how are you? I'm wonderful. It's been a pretty good day. How about so, you? Uh, today has been awesome. We love coming down here to talk to the young entrepreneurs and the old entrepreneurs. You got alumni. You got you got a whole crew here from Georgia State. But uh, the Sisters, that's the name of your company. Yes. So um, tell us about it. It's like a spinoff rideshare app that works to basically protect women um, with like the influx of violence with women in Lyft and in Uber. It's like really easy to feel unsafe while traveling. So it helps to mitigate that. So how does it work? Um, basically, when you sign into the app, um, it gives you several different options to do different things. Um, it works to help get people fingerprinted because in Lyft and in Uber, oftentimes they don't have people fingerprinted. So you never really know if the person you're talking to is actually the person you're talking to. And then when you um, click into the app, they have a new app that has been um, leaked that basically has hackers that can almost get into your phone and make sure that the ride you're getting into is not the ride you're supposed to be getting into. This works to get rid of that by scanning the license plate number to make sure that it actually lines everything up. matches mm -hmm. so now are you a technologist no i'm far from mm -hmm. it i actually do work in it which is surprising but i'm a psych major so psych major so yeah. was this um you were using lyft and uber and then this came to you this idea yeah i uh got in a lyft the other day and there was this girl who was like really afraid to get into the lift with my driver and just canceled the app altogether because she was like, I don't want a man picking me up this late at night. It makes me nervous. And I thought about that and I was like, I get nervous sometimes when right. I travel late at night. So I was like, you know, I shouldn't have to be afraid to travel back home. So now you, so you have this idea go, so is it women drivers picking up women no, passengers? I originally did think to do that, but I think since Lyft and Uber are already such booming businesses, completely deconstructing the business wouldn't really help. Um, so just kind of making it more safe, secure, more right. secure um, by giving women like the option to have there's um, like GPS located safe spots. So like if you have to jump out of a car, which is the reality for some women, you want to know where can I go to be safe? Mm -hmm. And if you need to send your location to law enforcement, then if you need to do that, our app helps with that. So it kind of is an overlay over the existing lift in yes. the app. And then, uh, so at what stage are you at right now? Right now, I'm actually just in the development process. This is a relatively new idea that I came up with for a pitch competition for the CEO group. And, and CEO uh, yeah. is the Collegiate Entrepreneur Student Organization? Yes, I'm new to that as well. So you're new to that group. Yes. How'd you hear about it? Um, the president, Kira, is one of my good friends, and um, she did like a social media broadcast for people to join. And I was like, you know, maybe I should try it out. 
now because you had this idea but you were just like oh it's an idea like yeah i told my ideas. dad and my dad was like do something about that and i was That's like i don't know one. what to do <laughs> so you had no you just had the idea mm-hmm so now getting involved in that group helped you kind of have yeah. a structure to like flesh it out to yes. see if it's going to work or not? Pretty much. Um, they basically gave me like a lot of feedback on what I could change and what I could do better. Mm-hmm. And then with the launch program, which kind of works a little bit with CEO, I'm able to start actually building it. Now, did you do a pitch yet or you're preparing for a pitch? I did the pitch uh, maybe two weeks ago. It was really nerve wracking <laughs> um, getting up in front of a bunch of people and talking about my app was like, it was exciting, but I was definitely stumbling over my words. Now, isn't it fun to have an idea, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, I'm sure through your life, you've had lots of ideas, right? Yeah. And then you're like, now it's an app. Now yes. it's like starting to be real. Yes. And that's different now. It is. But it's also amazing because it's like, I did that. I right. thought about that. <laughs> and then it's starting to come to life. Yeah. Because when I see other people do it, I'm like, why not me? Why can't right? I do it? Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, so being involved in this group has helped you have a structure. Like what has the, been the benefit to you of being involved with the group? Well, one would be talking in front of people. I get very nervous. Um, my voice shakes, my hands shake. So that's definitely helped me be more confident in just myself, but it's also given me a chance to just work along with other entrepreneurs. Cause I don't, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur before this. Mm-hmm. And, um, since I am in a, in the psych, major field like when you thought, i thought oh, i'm just gonna get it. a job yeah <laughs> pretty much that. and then now you got this whole other thing mm-hmm. happening so it's really cool so um what would you say to other students that also don't consider themselves in their head entrepreneur that they're going to college you know i'm getting a degree so i can get a job I think I would tell them like anyone can do it. If you look at the numbers, people who go into business for themselves generally make more than somebody who works under someone. And I'm not the kind of person who likes to go in the room and have to be under somebody else's command. So I think that when other people take charge and they see like people like me doing it who normally wouldn't consider themselves entrepreneurs, then they can do it as well. And then so far it's been a fun journey. You haven't had any hurdles? No, not really. Um, I think more than just the nerves would be my biggest hurdle. And then so, but the group was, they helped you prepare for this. They didn't Mm -hmm. say, here, just go up in front of these people. and No, Kiera actually, um, she provided us with like a whole group session to practice for it. And she gave us like templates and PowerPoints and was like, here's how you do it and here's how you get it done. And then what about a team? Do you have people that are helping you? I don't, sort of. I have my family who's been helping me, who helped me right. prepare for my pitch. Um, and then I have like my friends who are definitely what about like, the people? helping me. Someone's going to build the app. Yeah. So my brother actually is huge into technology. So I reached out to him not that long ago. You got to recruit talent now. Yeah. So now, that's pretty much what that, I'm working on. How's that going? It's going pretty good. Um, surprisingly, I have a lot more friends who are talented at this kind of stuff than I am. That you didn't, were so, you weren't aware of that? No, not before. People right. will tell you like, oh, I do this, I do that. But they won't tell you like, oh, yeah, I know how to code in Python. Like, right. I didn't know that. So Did you even know cool. what Python was no before? Idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know that. <laughs> but a lot of my like my pageant sisters, um, they all code. Almost every single one of them. So really? that was cool. Just being like, yeah, I'm trying to create this app. And all of them were like, well, I can do that in six different languages. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Part of the team. Yeah. <laughs>
So now what's the next step for you? Um, I think the next step would definitely be just talking with my dad about it. Um, he has been kind of uh, giving me my step He's by an step. He, yeah. He actually has like three or four different businesses. He's mm-hmm. pretty good at this stuff. So so he's also helping. Yeah. He encouraged me as well to do it. And then um, are you at the point where are you going to raise money or are you going to try to get a, a kind of a prototype done? Like what's... we're putting out a pitch to lift um to oh, the actual right app yeah we're going right <laughs> at it why not um and my dad's been helping me with that so i think that that's my first step right now is just getting feedback on it from someone who's doing it mm-hmm. um because if they don't like it then the app doesn't matter so getting so do you it, need lift's blessing in order to make it work no but i certainly think that a blessing from lift would be tremendous mm-hmm. so i think that would help now, do you have a website or? Um, no, not yet. Um, still working on just, you know, first phases. Now, how has your experience been at GSU and the Entrepreneurship uh, and Innovation Institute? It's been really good. Um, I think it's exciting and they have a lot of different events and practices that you can go to. I think that people just don't take take the stuff that they give you and actually use it because I didn't know about it before. And if I had known about it way before, I feel like I could be way further than I am now. Mm-hmm. So get involved early and yeah. often. Well, congratulations on the momentum and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Yeah. And and keep us posted and let us know as you continue to, to go through this process and that unfolds for you. Let's talk again and, okay. and get an update. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Thank you. And All then, right. Do you have the coordinates of the uh, CEO? Do I have what? Do you know where, like, how if somebody wanted to get involved? With oh CEO? yeah, um, it's actually located in the Fifty Eight Edgewood Building. That's where I work. Um, it's on the top floor, and uh, if you don't want to go up there by yourself, you can definitely go on the Instagram. It's CEO at GSU, or you can reach out to Kira Henry. Good Maybe stuff. you should have an app for going up there by yourself. So you can <laughs> that would be pretty That'll cool. Be a, a sister app to sisters. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, stay with us. We're going to visit with a few more folks in this episode. Okay. Yeah, you going to stay with us? Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Next up, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast. These are the guys. This is the Brain Trust from Gilmer Street. It's it's a production startup. I've got Emmanuel Powell with me and Timmy. Timmy, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Fadarin. Fadarin. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Get you. in there, buddy. Talk like you mean it. <laughs> <We'll do. laughs> Tell us about Gilmer Street. Well, mainly Gilmore Street is right now we're focusing on like film and photography work. So we're trying to um, build our craft when it comes to, you know, short films, building ourselves as photographers and uh, videographers. And that's mainly like what we're focused on right now. Um, So have you done any work? Are you doing your own work? Are you working for other people? Uh, We are working for other people right now. We're trying to build our like ourselves up. Uh, right now, we have a film in the works that just got accepted into the Cane Film Festival. So that's mainly what we're focusing on right now. And so you've made a short film? Uh, yeah. Well, it's a short film music video style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a narrative music video. And then, uh, so who came up with the idea? Uh, it was actually a group that came to us from Georgia Tech that offered us the opportunity to film for them. Uh-huh. And uh, we didn't even think much about it when we came, when we came to the awards and everything. And um, we paced like top four, I believe, and like uh, 109. And when we figured that out, we found out that we're going like Canes and we're going to Hollywood. So we were like, wow. So that's when we just started trying to build our craft more in the aspects of like, especially when people come to us from different parts who are looking to do commercials, we want to be able to like showcase our portfolio. 
better, things like that. Read the paperwork. <laughs> and then, uh, so you started out doing music videos? That was your first thing? Oh, yeah, that's like a huge thing to uh, start off with in Atlanta. It's just uh, people are always looking to pay for music videos. So that's like how we, that's how basically we started. And then, so you found musicians? How, how does that work? Well, we, I think it's more like they like find us type things. So we worked with a couple of um, artists, like um, we work with an artist called Wally the Sage. Um, and he came to us with a whole bunch of like his own ideas and things. And like, it's like kind of like a, a bonding thing. It's like he comes with his ideas and he comes with, and we come with our ideas. And then like we just build art together basically. And then so then you build the visuals oh, yeah, yeah. on the story that from his words yeah concept development comes Com- after he comes with the song mm-hmm. you can put together a shot list find locations all the nitty-gritty from there and then you hire actors and or is it usually the musicians that are the the actors it's usually the musicians but like if they ever want like a portfolio of like models or like actors to use we do give it to them and then what's uh your favorite part of the process uh i'd probably say my favorite part of the process is uh i would probably say it's developing it because, you know, like when you develop it, you have so many ideas, even though it doesn't always make it into the final cut. Mm-hmm. But I'd probably say developing and editing is also my favorite part. I really am great at so editing. The, so the shooting part, you have to get, you have to do that to get to the editing part. Yeah, the shooting part, I, we do, but I always hate shooting because <laughs> <laughs> on that day, I'm like, it's it's kind of hard because like when you, when you face it in reality, some things that you have in your head aren't being able to like process. To be captured. Yeah. So then uh, how do you deal with that? Uh, usually the things you do with it is you always have to just maintain and just run with the flow because you, if you get haltered or anything, then you won't be able to like make a video at all. So you just have to be able to accept the outcome, when it, whatever it is. Now, when you're filming a music video, how important is the sound element? Is sound not important because you're going to just use the music that they've created as the soundtrack for this? Uh, it always depends on like how you uh, frame it. You can, if you're coming from a narrative perspective, you might want to be able to capture audio on set. But if you're coming from a perspective of just uh, visualizing what he's trying to put hold into in the music, then you usually just use the music from the sorry. Usually just use the music from the um from the audio basically. And then uh, from an equipment standpoint, uh, equipment can be expensive. Is this where like being involved at Georgia State helps? Like they have equipment you can rent or have access to. Yeah, it's a mix between personal investment and resources from Georgia State. Mm-hmm. So we definitely try to pull from an, anywhere and everywhere we can. So now, has there been any challenges that you've had to overcome in order to get where you're at right now? Most definitely, yes. So what uh, what are some of the challenges you've overcome? Well, uh, especially in production, when you're trying to start up, everything has such a high mark to get entry. You know, you need cameras and all the equipment. So you really got to put money aside. So personal expenses have to go down, you know, meals might not be as luxurious, but if you want, because you were investing in the equipment you needed to, to have the, the, uh, business, right? Yeah. If you want to practice whenever you want, you got to own what you have. So, Oh, cause it's hard to get it, the equipment when you need it. Yeah. I mean, cause there's every student here that's involved in the department. It has, wants the stuff too. It's a lot of competition. (laughs) So now, um, how has it been, uh, like the professors and the, and the instructors here, has that been helpful? Uh, professors a lot of the time have like helped me with like concept development. They have helped me with like, I'm just trying to like build my craft. So it has been helpful a lot, especially with, um, one teacher I had back in, um, sophomore year, he did help me with 
because I always, you know, if you feel like you have like a lack of infrastructure, it kind of loses your like loses your perspective on like who you're trying to become. So he really helped me with like developing my own like style and like what I wanted to be when it came to the film world. And then, um, what about the CEO? How has that helped you? Like from a business standpoint, because there's one thing, the art of filmmaking, and then another thing is running a production company as a business. No, definitely. CEO is a fantastic resource at Georgia State because a lot of people want to you know, build a, a career for themselves, their own business, and have that financial freedom. But if you're not in an environment where people understand the steps that it takes to get there, then it makes it a lot harder. And CEO provides that that environment. And did you learn anything there or you knew everything? Oh, no. You definitely <laughs> you learn a lot being around people just in the first day that I went to go you know, meet some of the members. What was that first aha moment where you're like, oh, so that's how they do that. That makes more sense. I was sitting at my computer, like editing, and they were having a conversation behind me. And just hearing the things that they talked about, even casually, was way different than a normal conversation that you would have. Mm-hmm. The ideas that they pitched back and forth and the ambitions that they shared. It was actually very inspirational to see how much they cared about what they did. Now, what about uh, like from a pricing standpoint? How did you land on what your pricing is? Um, double those rates every month. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to kind of see what the market is like because, you know, you're going to get paid definitely in New York and L.A., but Atlanta is an emerging market. And with that flexibility of being able to come up fast, you have to take a lower price point. So. You have to definitely see what the market is. is so you're at this stage, you're taking maybe less money today as you kind of build the portfolio and learn the craft and do things like that, knowing that that's going to be laying the groundwork for future increase. Yeah, definitely a lot of investment, especially in Atlanta. But I feel like it'll be worth it to have a stake in the market. It's so new. So now you have gotten paid, though. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. So now what was it like that first time the money started rolling in? I mean, the first, mm-hmm. first time, that was small money. But it's, right, it's, but it's, it, that validated, hey, we are good and we can do this. Yeah, it really does um, validate you because it's one thing to have the ambition. But when you see other people value what you're creating mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, it makes you feel like you have direction. And then that encourages you to keep uh, powering through because there's a lot of like this isn't a, a smooth ride to the top right there's a lot of you, know, you sometimes you go backwards a few steps no absolutely <laughs> there's always setbacks and i feel like especially in filmmaking something that's so complicated as you go across the process you have to kind of account for that i already know that there's going to be mishaps so is it helpful though to have a partner a business partner like is one of you like if one of you is down the other one sort of picks the other guy up a little bit and says come on man we can get through this kind of thing Absolutely. It definitely helps a lot because you start to like build off each other when it comes to like working with one, like one another, especially since we're roommates. So it's like easy to just. So you were roommates before you started the business or your roommates after? No, yeah. Before. And if they stay friends, then this could, this thing could take off. <laughs> so you were roommates before you even wow. began the venture? Yeah. We so were. you knew each other before or well, were we you knew random each other, like, roommates? Before, before. Like we knew each other in like high school. Oh, wow. And then, so did you always know you'd be doing filmmaking? Uh, no. So I, that was an accident? <laughs> it wasn't an accident. I always knew I wanted to do filmmaking, but like I come from a home where like the arts is kind of seen as like uh, a risky venture. Mm-hmm. So I started off doing CIS, but then like when you do something that you don't feel like fulfillment, even though like CIS, you're definitely going to like make a lot of money right. afterwards. Right. Like, if you don't feel like fulfillment, then you're not going to be happy with it. And I wasn't happy with CIS. 
And then, like, I started just trying to, like, venture out and do film. And once I figured that out, I was like, wow, I'm actually happy. I'm probably not going to make a lot of money at first. But, like, this is actually something that I, like, really want to, like, build up to. And then so that was kind of the aha moment for you where you're like, I got to follow this path. This makes more sense. No, yeah. This was something that I just felt like I had a calling for. And then how did that conversation with your parents go? Uh, really rough. <laughs> it, was, it was really rough. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm Nigerian, so I come from a household where, like, it's either you're a doctor, you're a lawyer. And it's like you always have to be one another. So talking with my parents on, like, why I wanted to become a filmmaker, it was definitely, like, it definitely wasn't a day process. It was through months of just counseling, being able to, like, yeah, negotiations, being able to, like, um, just try to like find like a middle ground of like okay this is what i want to do and i'm not happy can we just find like a middle ground for it and they figured yeah i mean did they make you have like a plan b uh i i believe plan b is probably like going back to college and just majoring in another computer science so they gave you so much time they gave you some runway yeah they definitely gave me enough time to like be able to figure out my craft because they've seen some of my work and they understand what i want to do so i I'm hoping that they can find understanding. I feel like it's still kind of a little edgy mm-hmm. when it comes to these topics, but like they understand what I'm going through. Any advice for other uh, students out there that are going through a similar thing where they're trying to convince their parents that maybe the arts is a path for them? I'd probably say is to be honest is because if you try to come from a place where you feel like you need to hide yourself, then you're not, you're not going to create the art that you want to create. Or even if you're not doing art, you're not going to be able to like be the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not honest with them, then you're not honest with yourself. Don't forget to tell them about media entrepreneurship. The arts can be profitable. Don't, you don't have to starve. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't have to be a starving artist, right? <laughs> I'll try to avoid it. I've been through that too many times. So, so you've been uh, following an artistic path for longer? Yeah, I had my start in photography, and this is about my third year in it. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to challenge myself and, and take a new route. So when I went into it, wanting to, you know, really skip a couple steps, I had to go through a couple of those hungry nights, and it's it's hard, but I feel like it was worth it to really hone my craft. Now, uh, when you were in high school, how did you see Georgia State coming to play? Like, did, is this what you expected out of your university? Georgia State definitely did not, um, it did not let me down at all, actually. I felt like this was a university where I would have my horizons broadened. I would meet people that are serious about what they're doing. And the university has definitely supported me in what I wanted to do. Even when it comes to coursework, you would think your professors would be like, oh, just if you don't like it now, just keep doing it. And, like, you'll find your passion in it. But when I was doing computer information systems. So you were down the same path? The CIS path, too? I just changed my major yesterday. <laughs> yesterday? Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. I was doing it and, like, living this <clears throat> almost double life where I was doing arts all night and schoolwork all day. But talking to administration, they were literally like, if you have a passion for it and you're working at it so consistently, then find a middle ground. You don't have to do computer information systems just because, like, you're good at it. Find something that compromises, like media entrepreneurship, where you can hone your craft and find ways to exist within the industry and protect your intellectual quality, intellectual property. So you're able to kind of get the best of both worlds, then? No, yeah, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even been emboldened to make that decision or that change without the guidance I've gotten at this university. Like they definitely helped me find my true self. 
And then so from a skill standpoint, you're learning there, you're getting a lot of support uh, from the professors and the, and the different, uh, you know, the classes, the coursework that you're taking. And then the uh, Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization help give you some structure for the business. So, so it sounds like you're getting a lot of, uh, you have a pretty good ecosystem here to, to give you a good shot at success. Yeah, they definitely keep you well-rounded. They give you everything you need to succeed. You just have to show up to the meetings. Now, uh, what about, uh, do you have a website or if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best <clears throat> way? Um, my website is powellportraiture.com. If you want to look so you don't that. have a Gilmer Street? No? Uh, work in progress. Working right? Right? busy, right. Timmy. Come on. It's a, it's a startup. <laughs> you got two CIS folks here. How hard is it to make websites? Yeah, really? <laughs> I was going to ask, but I think now we have the answer. What's the next hill you're going to take? And it sounds like the next hill you're going to take is to get a nice, strong website uh, presence and maybe get some, some branding uh, strategy and infrastructure up under that, yeah? Yeah, that's definitely... Um, on the list. Don't let me yeah. superimpose my idea on you, but that makes logical sense to me. Plus, our next guest is a brand strategist. So, I mean, Squarespace sponsor us. I won't stop. <laughs> well, we lost the CIS sponsorship. Yeah, I can no, tell you that. It. They're not going to sponsor our program anymore. We had two defectors. Well, gentlemen, keep up the good work. What an exciting time for you. Thank you. This Thank is you so fantastic. Much. So, what do you need more of right now? What uh, do you need more to grow? In aspects of growth, I'd probably say um, customers. It's usually customers. Usually, usually starts at customer. The customers would be nice. <laughs> investors are also nice. Investors, and then uh, so you have a strategy to get in front of more uh, musicians. Yeah, we stay very active in the art scene in Atlanta, and you have to really know the people to work with them consistently if you right. want to have a healthy relationship. So we really keep our faces out there, and we keep the quality high. And then, do you have a specific genre of music that you work in, or you'll take all comers? Um, take all comers. When you're listening to music, it's an experience, and it's mm -hmm. all about the emotion that you're trying to invoke. So, and storytelling, if that's your style? Yeah, everything could, every, any kind of music deserves a beautiful visual. So, that's what we're out here to create. And you're looking for partners that believe what you believe? Absolutely. All right, so here's a little counsel from Stone. It might be worth what you paid for it, but if you want to meet musicians consistently and build relationships with them, do a radio show that interviews musicians. Just an idea. Well, I'll come back and do it. Hey, stay with us. we got one more guest we're going to visit with, okay? All right, I talked about her just a moment ago. Please join me in welcoming to the show with Maya Burris and Company, brand strategist. Maya, how are you? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing well, Maya. Tell us about your work. How are you serving folks? Um, well, I just recently started my PR firm about six months ago. Um, I've been at Georgia State all four years. So when I started freshman year, I got into the music industry because like um, Emmanuel and Timmy were saying, that is easy to get involved into, especially in Atlanta. So I was doing a lot of um, showcases, meeting a lot of artists, learning how to do pitch decks and EPKs and learning the content to sell somebody. Um, and then once I started learning that with the mentor I was working with, I ended up working, I ended up getting a job at a record label um, with Polo the Don. And I worked there with eight for eight months. I worked with Samarella. I worked with Veronica Vega. And I actually really saw how the music industry works on a PR standpoint. Um, 
and even though I love music and I love artists, I also thought that, wow, this would be great if I could bring it to like fashion or product development or like businesses that also need branding just more than artists. So I decided to um, step away from them. We still have a really good relationship with Zone 4. Um, shout out to Zone 4. Um, but I decided to expand my Verizon um, of PR with more with more clients um, other than music. Right. So you're kind of defining an artist in a broader term, not just music now. Correct. Correct. Um, I would love to even do like a product, you know, product development for like maybe like Coke or whatever. You know, I would just love to just do more than music. It's so up and down. That industry is so up and down. So. So now uh, you're going out to the world to try to find clients now, right? Yes. Yes. I'm. um this is my last year, so I'm planning to move to California. Mm-hmm. I really feel like moving out there would um, help my expansion a little bit um, with the branding and PR. I did pick up my first client, though, um, which is outside of music, which I was really excited about. She actually does it um, at etiquette school for kids. So that's a little bit different. So I'm just trying to find different different clients, a variety. So how would you find this client? Actually, I um, posted on Instagram that I was doing like a special for half price um, website um, designs and Mm -hmm. building websites for people. And um, a high school friend of mine's mom, he reached out and he was like, my mom has a business and she really, really needs help. Um, And she ended up being um, a great client. She was help. She was starting up. I was starting up. So it really worked out well as far as like the growing aspect. That's like my most challenging thing I get nervous about is people coming to me for branding and then me not being able to develop their brand, you know? So I'm still learning. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. It is. Now, um, are you a web designer? Too, you do that as well, or you? I'm, or you a, have partners? I'm a Wix expert. Uh-huh. I'll say that I'm not a coder. I'm not HTML. I'm not any of that. Would you say Python? I'm not <laughs> any of that. Um, but I will say I know the tricks to making a beautiful Wix website. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then from a, a like, take me through that first conversation. You're talking to this etiquette mm-hmm. uh, school. So first, right. how do you kind of even come up with the idea of what's the brand personality, colors, like look, feel? That's the first step. Definitely. Um, I offer two packages. So you have like a branding strategist and then you have a content curator. Um, branding strategist is also me developing the content and then actually like strategizing and managing it um, mm-hmm. via social media, um, website, um, event activations, things of that nature. Um, but this, the main starting process when I meet with clients is, okay, what do you want? What are your goals? Um, how do you describe your brand in three words? What colors are you looking at? Once I get like the logistics of that, I go into making like a mood board type of thing, coming up with an idea for me to create for their social media. Cause a lot of these startup companies, that's the first thing they want to do. They want followers. They want social media to be popping. They want a great website for people to, they want traffic coming to them. So I try to figure out ways that I can bring that to them with what they want their brand to feel what they want their target audience to see and feel when they are sharing their service with them. Um, so yeah, I start with the mood board color scheme. Then I go into an Instagram audit. If they already have a social media, I look and see, you know, how you should structure your captions, what words you should use, what hashtags you should use, what locations you should use, what target audience you should target first. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I go into that. Then I break down into, um, what you call like, um, it's like a Excel sheet and it like explains like literally like all the analytics of 
your Instagram, your social media, your mm-hmm. Facebook, your LinkedIn. Um, it goes into like what time you're supposed to be posting when you were posting, how many followers you're getting, all that stuff. Cause that really makes a, um, a difference when you're targeting a specific audience. So those are the first thing I do logistics and then coming up with, um, type of a visual if they don't have it. Now, um, regarding how do you, how do you choose the channel that's appropriate for them? Like you mentioned Instagram a lot, right. but like say if you're dealing with music, like are you using TikTok or are you using other types of social media channels? Definitely, definitely using other types of social media. I think the biggest thing, because Instagram owns Facebook now, Instagram owns, um, I believe they own WhatsApp too. They own a lot of Facebook uh, owns all of them. Facebook owns all mm-hmm. that. Right, right, right. Facebook owns Instagram, right. And, and WhatsApp and all those things. So I, those are my main things that I use is Facebook and Instagram. When it comes to like artists, other than their social media, I'm more so trying to get publications for them. So I'm working on building their EPK, getting their photo shoots together and trying to get them publications, writers to write about them, blogs, bloggers bloggers to write about them so that we can be selling them to different other brands so that they Mm -hmm. can be brand ambassadors and things like that. That's more so what I do outside of the social media when it comes to the artist um, Mm -hmm. standpoint. And that's a different strategy though. Correct. Because now you got to build relationships with those bloggers so they know who you are and trust you and like you. Right, 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 right. And how it, do you do that, that? That's, that really was um, the biggest help with working with that record label. Um, having like a name so big and um, a producer that's really, really big in the industry, that really helped me with um, my clout, I guess you can say, when I am introducing myself. So I was able to meet a lot of um, different publications, Sheen Magazine, rolling out, um, and just really building those and connecting. So now with they them. know who you are. So right. when you come to them, you know, in a month or two, they're going to already know you. They're going to already know. Yeah. And then they know my work ethic. Like when I making, when I'm making EPKs for people and I'm sending that to a different um, magazine or something, the visual is your main point. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have somebody, you have to show them creativity. So I try to put a lot into what I'm pitching um, for different people. So now if you were going to give Emmanuel and Timmy some free counsel, what would you tell them? Their <laughs> yeah you guys are definitely on the right mm-hmm. track the best thing i would say is getting that portfolio up which you guys are working on um because that that portfolio that deck that's what's going to give you free money um even when i do event activations and i'm getting sponsors like liquor sponsors or different things like they want to see black and white they want to see words you know and numbers associated with what you're telling them so um definitely continue to build your portfolio as much as you can now, are you also involved with the uh, Collegiate Entrepreneurs? I just joined. I met Kiara um, Key. Um, in my Key is the key. Key right? is the Everybody's president. Everybody's got to know Key. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> got to know Key. She's the bomb. She's the bomb. Um, we're actually in um, my second E&I class. Entrepreneurship is my minor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been taking a lot of... Um, entrepreneurship classes she was in it she told us about the ceo organization i never even heard about it um but i've also never been involved in any on-campus things every i've met everybody at georgia state but it's also been off campus it hasn't really been on campus so this was definitely an organization that i wanted to be a part of because it was something that was entrepreneurship based and then Something that I can say I've actually did at school, you know, like I want to say something helpful. It has. It really has. Even this. um, She she shared this interview. She was like, hey, you guys want to be on the radio and share about your business? Like you don't get group messages like that all the time. So so you you jumped on it. I jumped on it right away. Yeah. So now uh, what do you need more of right now? 
what I need more of is focusing on building my brand. <laughs> I am so doing other people's that I don't really take time to showcase me as a branding strategist and what I can bring. So it's like, I have a deck. I can show you all my portfolio of all the websites I've built for people, all the stuff I've done for. But it's like, what did you do for Maya Burris and Co? What did you do for Maya? So that's what I'm working on, trying to balance those two. What is it? Your mood board. My mood board. My colors are very pop. (laughs) Have a little orange in there. Uh, Yeah. Um, I'm more so on a free-spirited type of energy. I do like a lot of cursive writing and why. I want people to feel that they can bring me their ideas and I can make it whatever they want it to be. So Mm -hmm. as free as possible. So uh, your next step is what? My next step is my move to California. That's the next thing on? That's my next. So you have a place to live? You got a game plan? I actually just bought my ticket um, yesterday to go look at some cities. So Uh I leave October 17th. I'm going to do two days in Southern California, and then I'm going to go up to Oakland and kind of see, you know, what area fits me the best. So that's that's the plan. Um, And also bringing as many clients. So if you guys want to connect with me, I would love to help build. Um, I'm actually working with the... um, a production company right now, Foreign Made Films. So it'll be good if y'all can connect. That'll be a really good connection. And for do you y'all. have a website or uh, social media coordinates? Uh huh. Do you have a social media? My website is up, but it's not running yet. I have to buy my domain. I'm like a perfectionist too, so I haven't really put anything out. Um, but it's pretty much completed. I just haven't released it yet. But you can definitely follow me on Instagram and on LinkedIn. It's Maya Burris, M-I-Y-A, last name Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S. Um, and those are like all my social media handles, my first and last name. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing Thank you story. for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.